0: So today on the show, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Mullins. <laughs> going to butter you up a little bit before you yeah. going up. But no, I've, uh, you know, I've worked with you one-on-one at least once before, and I've always been a fan of your content. I always, I think I'm like one of the first like three people to always like one of your posts because I just like nerding out with all that information. So um, if you're not following Michael Mullins, definitely should, uh, especially if you like to nerd out about biomechanics and neurology and all of that but um now that i've buttered you up enough how about you go ahead and you know introduce yourself give us the the elevator pitch of who you are
1: thanks so much no, I'm, I'm psyched thanks for having me on i love nerding out and talking shop so that uh, means the world anybody who anybody who reads what i have to say means a lot to me uh, for a number of different reasons because you know, I've been in the industries for a long time. I said industries plural because my background is in a kind of a physical therapy rehab, uh, athletic training background. So I worked in outpatient physical therapy for many, many, many years, and then just have just always dove head deep into as much continuing ed and, and reading and research and something as I possibly could, and learned from a lot of really smart people. And you know, now I do a lot more of a of a of a, of a hybrid model of training, fitness, performance. Coupled with rehab, uh, you know, acute, chronic injuries, and this, and, ev- and everything in between. Frankly, um, you know, I consult with pr- professional teams and organizations, and I see people who've had chronic pain or in their seventies and they're dealing with stuff that they've had for decades. So it's it's a really fun, diverse mix of people that I see. Uh, and as I did, as you alluded to, you know, I, I have no, I, I, I joke with people that I'm terrible on social media just because. I do put a lot of stuff on there and it's, that's why I, under my little tag, I think random thoughts and other things or whatever. It's just like, it's just, I found this interesting. I had this conversation with a client. Uh, I read this really cool article. I learned something new today. You know what I mean? So I just, mm-hmm. I find it really uh, if I share that with other people and they find it helpful, fabulous. I also consider it a form of almost a diary. Where I can kind of like dump thoughts and ideas that I can actually go back to when I'm doing lectures or presentations. And I kind like, of, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That'll tie in nicely with this piece. And so it's a place to kind of like have my thoughts just kind of like be there. But, you know, I don't get fancy. I, I don't know how to do all the stuff. I don't have time to, to do all this stuff. So it's just like, you know, quotes, snippets, screenshots. Um, but thanks for having me on. Let's, I'm looking forward to talking about some stuff.
0: Yeah, of course. No, I know you're a busy guy. So again, I, I appreciate your time. But I like the idea of running social media as almost like a public professional diary and of sorts. I, I think I kind of do that at the end of the day, like a lot of the posts I make are sort of for myself. At times, it's like, Oh, I did. Or it, I found something just helpful. And it's like, here's an exercise that like, I've been using a ton, like, go give it a shot. Like, here's an idea or something. And then it's always cool to see people kind of take that concept and run with it and, you know, try their own variations and all these different things. Because, I mean, that's what I do when I see stuff. Like I see your stuff and it's like, oh, that sparked a, an idea. Let me go try this with this client or patient or that I have. And that, I mean, that's the beauty of social media and probably the best part of it, in my opinion, Um, even though it can be a toxic place at times.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. It can be a cesspool of of opinions, but the, the 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 concept of what it should be, which is to be able to supplement your your already existing thought processes, your current uh, educational level of where you're at. You know, when you look at things and you don't understand it, then certainly reaching out and asking questions makes sense. But sometimes it's it's saying it's saying that. Um, you know, this is this is not making sense to you because there's other stuff that you need to lay the groundwork first. And I'm happy to point people in the direction where they lay that groundwork. So, you know, actually, I even have, I have two Instagram pages. I have you know, I have one that's kind of like my MJMATC, which is just for people who've had just general want information on rehab and training. And I have another one that's, I think it's mine is MJMATC, PGA, PRC, whatever. that's more posture restoration specific. And It's just to help to supplement people who have had posture restoration background. But if I put that stuff on my other page, it wouldn't make sense to a lot of people and turn some people off in some ways, which I don't care whether you like my stuff or not, but I don't want to use messages of trying to help some groups of people by putting in stuff that seems like I'm talking above their head, outside of the sandbox of their comfort level, whatever. So there's, there's ways that I feel that messages can be supplemental, but by no means do I want to replace someone's already existing thought process. I would want to just try to allow it to be able to um, take information that they're already comfortable with and feel that they're able to apply successfully and make it that much better. Maybe introduce a concept that's like, wow, actually, not only could I do that better, but this actually shifted the way that I actually think about this. Maybe I haven't been thinking about this stuff ideally. And that's what's happened to me over the years. You know, I just, I was talking to someone the other day, I was talking about. The uh, use of wedges, for example, like underneath their feet and you know, graduate college and, and early on in your career, you're like, oh man, those things help people squat deep and they're so great. Let's use them. And then you start kind of going through your professional career, like, no way people should be able to squat feet flat on the ground. You know what I mean? Like they're a cheat, they're a hack. I don't want to use them. And then you kind of really begin to discover later on what they're all about. I'm like, oh man, now I'm all about them again, you know, because right. they're a nice tool to help. And let me tell you why they're a tool, which is a different thought press than I'd had before. So be willing to change, but be willing to call yourself out to realize like, oh, you know what? I did change and I'm okay with that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And having that ability to reflect, I mean, that it just comes with years and in the industry I, I'm approaching, like, I guess it's going to be 11 years in a couple months, like just being in fitness. So, you know, thinking back to what I was doing versus now, and it's just, it comes full circle, like these things and concepts, it's like nothing's bad. Like nothing's bad. Nothing's useless. It's just application and how you can apply it. And when you apply it and just having that, you know, bird's eye view versus being able to come in and, you know, look at it on a microscopic level and just like telescope in and out from this, these different themes. Um, and I think that's a a good segue to kind of just, you know, as someone who's been in the industry for a minute, um, what is probably like the most beneficial thing you found, you know, in, we'll say like conceptually when looking at, you know, fitness and rehab, you know, for just like approaching a, say like a tough case, you know, someone who's in pain or whatever it might be like, what is like sort of the overarching principles that you might like
1: have? Um, Great, great question. Uh, I I think that if I were to sum it up, I would say that, Having a better understanding of internal dynamics inside the system and what's happening internally and the influence that that has on how our body positions itself, orients itself, uh, manipulates uh, our environment, performance, things like that is is probably the most overarching concept that I have. Manipulation of our body's internal pressure. if we want to say the word breathing or whatever we want to call stuff, but using the mechanical element of ventilation, meaning the manipulation of the way that our, our internal structures expand and compress, and then using that as a tool to try and help to create change of the way that the body's able to position and orient and perform, uh, change its, its nervous system response, not only on the, for the central nervous system's ability to be able to do something, But for the autonomic system and the somatic system to be able to then respond in a favorable way to our environment uh, is kind of key. And that's what I've for the last over 20 years uh, been on kind of like a, a continued ongoing learning process and trying to help to optimize. And then how to incorporate that into helping people with chronic pain and helping people with understanding that the way that they do stuff currently is is it's not ideal. It's just a strategy that their brain and their body put into place in order to be able to breathe easier. It's a way that their body learned to orient their environment, to have to sit at a desk all day long or to play tennis four or five days a week and then golf on the weekends. But it's a way to make the body be able to do it easier and more comfortably and more efficiently when most of the times none of them are ideal. The client that I had this morning is a perfect example. I said, he was standing in a position and he mentioned his back had been a little stiff. I said, okay, do me a favor. We just we just moved his his center of mass back. That's all I did. And moving his center of mass back, I said, how does that feel on your back? So well, actually that takes that takes the pressure. I'm like, that's perfect. Take a breath in, in that position. And he took a slow breath in. I've worked with him off and on for, for years. I said, is that, does that feel a little restricted? He said, it does. I said, go back to what you're used to. I said, how does that feel? He said, That's, it's easier to breathe here. I'm like, that, your brain's gonna look for that all day long.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Easier is not better. Easier is losing pressure management. It's losing the ability of us to, to manage this canister and, and balance out our pressures from the top of the shoulders to the bottom of the pelvis, which then manages our five extremities, both legs, both arms and our neck, which is an extremity. So as a result of that, when we work on helping to get the body to get to a better position, front to back, top to bottom, right and left, to then be able to create that balanced, um, uh, pressurized canister, if you would, and have them recognize and appreciate that it's gonna feel different than they're used to. And in particular, he's a great example, someone who I took a picture of him from the side, because they all feel slouchy. They're going to feel like they're slouching in this change in position because of the perception change. Okay, I'll, I'll keep going here. The guy came in yet. guy came in yesterday. It's my third time seeing him. Shoulder issues for years, just totally upright, pushed forward, back arched, strong, powerful guy, works on boats all day long. He came in yesterday and he said shoulders feeling a lot better, but he said, like people are saying weird things to me. Like, you lost weight? Have you, um, what else did he say? He said, oh yeah, have you, have, you, have, you, have you had a different haircut? I mean, just, he's like, I've had three or four different things that people, I look different to them, but they don't know exactly why. And it's just because his whole body position's just changed, his orientation has changed. He's like, I'm not as anxious. He said, my wife had said to me, she's like, I'm surprised you didn't get like all jacked up when that happened with so-and-so and they said that. He's like, yeah, just I realize it just doesn't matter that much. These are all his words just by, again, changing position helped his symptoms, but it's frankly starting to change his life in a really positive way.
0: Right. I, to kind of go back. So you mentioned like the body feels that this position is easier, but it may not necessarily be better. And a question I've always had is like, what might be like the driving force behind like that easier position? you know like there's a lot of environmental factors and you know i've looked at different things like uh you know what they do on a daily basis like that's probably a huge one but something i've played around with is you know how someone sleeps like if they're getting proper sleep and all these you know if they're getting nutrients and things like that like i think those are also things that can potentially affect it but yeah i'm curious like what is what is your opinion on like the primary drivers of like someone getting put in this easy position that the body feels maybe is safe, I guess we'll say, and why they get there in the first place? Like what happens? And I'm sure it's, I'll let you do your thing.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Um, the three things that I tell people the brain is constantly looking to do. It's looking for comfort, it's looking for efficiency and it's looking for ease, okay? It's looking for the most comfortable shoes that they have in their house, probably not the best ones for them. It's looking for the convenience of being able to take shortcuts because it's just a way for the things to be most efficient. And it's looking for ease and the ability to be able to do all of those things physically as well as in our lives. And it's mainly so that we can be able to allow the brain to be able to manage the other things that are going on to deal with our task at hand. Does that make sense? So clients or people who are listening to this, they're going to position themselves a certain way to try and listen and take in the information and process it. So if it's gonna be a challenge or feel different at all than what they're used to, then it's gonna be distracting. And so that distraction will then be taking away from the task at hand. And the task at hand might be performance. You can't be distracted lifting heavy weights when you're deadlifting, fair to say? And you can't take shortcuts when you're lifting heavy weights when you're deadlifting. You can't make it Easier by overarching your back. You can't make things comfortable to be able to lift heavy weights. Do you know what I mean? It right. be convenient with your setup. You need to maximize those three things and actually put them into a different context, which is challenged, more difficult, and I have to be thoughtful and pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. my mind, what we're doing, because we are so um, societally uh, distracted, and in so many different directions that we're going, and that very few people, I don't want to get too kind of out here with this, but too many people are just oh, not get living. out there,
0: get yeah. out there, please. I'm I like talking about this stuff. So
1: yeah, people people are not living in the moment ever, right? <laughs> just doing, and they're just paying they're they're not, and, and I've challenged my clients, particularly those that want want to really think this way. I'm like. Do me a favor and just pay attention to how often you're present. Like if you're going for a walk with your spouse, how often are you listening to what they're saying? How often are you looking around and paying attention to your environment and noting what's going on? How many times have you driven to work and you get to work and you forgot you even drove? Right. Like you're just there because it's, you take the same way because it's convenient and because it's easy. So your brain can be in 15 different directions. Mm -hmm how many times have you been at a dinner party or you've been out with friends and you're thinking about what you're going to say versus really listening and taking in what it is they're saying. And so I feel that there's a lot of ways that we're um, manipulating our internal uh, dialogue that's happening that's making us change the way that we do stuff as a result of it. And it's common for them to come back and be like, yeah, I never really realized how much I'm actually not doing stuff. And I say, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't be thinking about what happened yesterday with that, that client that was a challenge and your ways to try and help to kind of, you know, manage it differently in the future or your plans for the weekend. I'm not suggesting that at all. That's part of it. But the more that you aren't present with things, the more you're losing the ability to feel what's happening with your body. And there's a lot of people that are more and more and more disconnected with their body. So they're doing stuff that's creating in my mind imbalanced movement patterns and, and torques and twists and stuff like that because of that convenience and ease that then they can't put into place when they're going to yank groceries out of their car or do tasks around their house or or again or exercise, you know, and you talk to them about like, okay, yeah, get up, set up into this position and they, they have no idea. You demonstrate it to them. You're like, okay, put your right foot forward, your left foot back, right, do this. And they do the opposite. Or they they just, they're, you know what I mean? They're just like somewhere else. So- you think
0: that's where, or sorry, do you think that's where like tension symptoms come from? Like, I think when I think of tension, especially like people, like, like I'm sitting here right now and I it's like, if I were to sit here for six hours or something, I start to feel those tensions like creep up. You think that's like a a call to action versus more of a panic? Like,
1: good, good, good concept. So, depending upon your belief system, let me I'll backpedal one hair and I'll answer that this hopefully okay. a little bit. Depending upon your belief system, evolutionarily, we were on hands and knees. Okay our system was basically sort of set up and evolved as if we were on, I'm sorry, hands and knees, hands and feet. Okay. Because we're upright and a bipedal upright uh, um, organism, Mm -hmm. we are automatically biased period. Okay. So our system is automatically biased to forward and outward. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just what we've done evolutionarily, okay? So that will automatically make the body in an orientation that, as you can think about your clients, and you know where I'm going with this, I think, that many people are biased towards. Too much, lordosis, anterior tilt of the pelvis, kyphosis, a forward head position, all of these other things are a body that's trying to move forward, and many people moving forward way too much, and then compensations that they've put into place to try and adapt to that for life have created issues. And the word tension to me, to your point, is not just the tension that we think about from a standpoint of like, oh yeah, my neck has tension. It's the internal um, tensional uh, uh, pull that's happening to our connective tissue. On our internal membranes that actually like someone's tugging on your shirt all day long if they tug on your shirt it's no big deal after an hour you're like dude stop tugging on my shirt it's driving me crazy and that's what's happening in the subconscious level because all those structures now feel that and i'm kind of doing air quotes here tension and so that affects the way that the body can then move in an effort to try and help to move past those areas of restriction or let's use the word tension again. Right. Our fluids can't flow through those areas of tension, which is what we're all about is fluid flow, all about fluid flow. And so if that fluid can't pass through there, then that tissue can't go back to its resting position to allow you to move to an opposite direction. It kind of maintains that tensile Uh, bias of the body into a certain direction. So it's going to kind of sort of want to bring you back to there at some point when you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. I often tuck my shirt in kind of crooked. And I demonstrate this to my clients. I'm like, I tuck it in like this. I'm like, can you see how like, if this has happened with my shirt all day long, like I'm eventually just going to just go that way. I mean, it's happening internally. And it's happening with every breath we take because of the way that our structures and our organs and our Uh, body responds to the imbalanced pull of respiration and then subsequently the way that our tissue adapts to that and i'll go one deeper so now your nerves that kind of exit through your spine from your spinal cord are being tugged and they're being tugged in an imbalanced way they don't like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't like tension on them they don't have that that elasticity they get a little tug on them and they're eventually gonna tell you real quickly, like, dude, knock it off, I don't like that. And it might be happening on a deep level of just, again, brain perceiving tension. And if that happens enough in certain areas, then that whole spinal cord now is being tugged. Inside the canal, it doesn't like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now your cerebral spinal fluid, that's supposed to kind of bathe up and down it and keep it lubricated, it's supposed to free flow can't do it through certain areas of your body. So now you lost your flow, Joe, or your, your mojo, whatever you wanna call it, you know? And so now in my mind, now some of the most vital fluid flow our body needs, which is that, that CSF flow, is being compromised through the spinal cord, frankly, all the way up into the brace, base, the neck and the base of the skull up into the brain. It's tuck tension everywhere. And it works its way into and out of the system in different ways. Gotcha. It's a long answer. Would that, does that help?
0: It does. I, I, I guess to, to kind of where my mind went with that is again, you have this tension and I, I personally think that tension comes from, you know, all those things. I completely agree with you, but it's sort of, I guess in my mind, I've been thinking of it as more of a, a call to action to get up and move. So that way, all of that can happen. Like you can bathe the CSF, you can do all of that. It's, you know, even like you were saying from an evolutionary standpoint, like, okay, we're biased toward this extension, but we're also meant to move and not necessarily be in a cooped up position, right?
1: I went too far. The answer is, like my wife always says, sometimes you just need to answer yes or no.
2: (laughs) Oh, hey.
1: A smart woman. She's a smart woman. But but to your point, 1,000%. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if if, if we want to talk about it from a sitting perspective in terms of practicality instead of deep concepts, you know, standing and sitting, neither of them are ideal. It's can you move? And so, yes, to your point, any time any system is forced to not be able to be as mobile, then our internal movements that are occurring all the time become compromised, right. and so you know, you know, should people set an alarm clock or listen to their iWatch or I don't care, whatever you do that makes you move and just walk down the hallway, look out the hallway, look out the window, and then come back every thirty to forty minutes will help you be a better uh, uh, focused and productive person. Right. Every time you can just change and orient your system differently will allow to your point flow, fluid movement, all that stuff. Absolutely. We're not supposed to sit. We're forcing ourselves into situations that we have created societally in an effort to try and make them work. But it's not how we're supposed to work. We are supposed to move, to your point. Mm -hmm. And so then some people um, you know, let's um, um, talk about ergonomic stuff because you, you're having a hard time sitting still when you sit. So let's figure out ways to actually have you be, you know, ninety degree angles and vertical and supported so that you don't have to move as much, making the problem worse. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. It, are we seeing, and I'm curious if you have read anything about this, but do you, is there anything in the literature in which we're as like from generation to generation actually seeing morphological changes? um like and yeah do, do you have any examples of that like I mean because I imagine so obviously like I had Pat Davison on on the last show and he was talking about like you know the shape of teeth versus like what were wild humans versus now like us and like the shape of teeth have changed all of that but I think just like a, is there anything on a systemic level like changes in length of femurs or positions of pelvises and the shapes of them
1: yeah and it's it, um So some of the the most um, notable one that I can, there's a few, but the most notable (laughs) one is that our skulls are changing and the size of our skulls are changing and the size of our our mouths are changing, sorry about that, as a result of that. And it's because of all of the things that have happened over the last, let's just say 250 years or so, 300 years worth of change. Yeah. That's revolution, okay? became more and more and more sedentary everything became more and more here i go again convenient and easy and comfortable we have more and more packaged stuff convenient easy tastes good we become less um uh we're eating softer foods we're drinking our calories so we don't have to chew as much so we're losing a valuable element of what's supposed to happen with our maxillofacial area so because of the shrinking um skulls if you would we're having more and more compression on areas of our mouth that create issues with teeth coming in so not much room for wisdom teeth so now we're starting to yank wisdom teeth making those faces smaller and we've had these uh, drives towards um perfection so we're we're we're, orthodontia is rampant i mean i don't know about i mean i'm kind of old but Mm -hmm. when i was growing up it was it was not common for people to have braces everybody has braces now because everything's right. about, oh, you look just a little bit off. Let's get that straight. But it's also a really good lucrative career for people who do that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, these changes are, are physical. And they've done research on skulls. And they're seeing they're different than they were 250, 300 years ago because of that. Our brains don't like that. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Our system doesn't like that. Uh, throwing in the, the microplastics and the changes in testosterone levels and things like that that's happening, yeah. Yeah, our systems are changing. And as a result of those adjustments, physiologically and physically, our systems are, have to adapt to that. Mm. And now we're also doing things as well that are uh, feeding into the problem being worse. And in my mind, over the coming years, are going to change more and more evolutionarily with what's happening because we're on these silly things called computers and phones and all of these things that are locking our system up and making us become less and less aware. And so with less and less capability of being outward in our environment, um, being able to appreciate periphery and space, open things up a little bit, more and more things are going to close down. I'm pretty convinced of it. And so systems that have that internal, to your point, threat, stress, uh, defensive reaction, that's kind of like low level going on in the brain at all times, it's going to change my mind more and more structures over the course of time. You know, we did grow up over time. You know, mm-hmm. years ago, doorways were short because we were shorter. So right. we have changed over time. Not everybody, but a lot of us. And I think that that's probably going to adjust and change a little bit more over time. I don't know what direction, but um, mm-hmm. there, are, there are some changes. One of the things that I think is a um, uh, uh, trying to think, misrepresentation is we look at anatomy and we look at bone models and complete anatomy and all these other great things that give us ideas. But if you go to different populations, you're gonna see different structures. You're right. gonna see differences in the Inuits, than you will with the Asians, than you will in Africa, than you will in North America. You know, I mean, you just going to see different general makeups and structures. And so for us to kind of like try to confine everything about saying, well, everybody should be able to do this, that, or the other thing, isn't necessarily true because a lot of it has to do with the way that they grew and developed uh, based upon their backgrounds and their their heritage and the environments that they actually that, that they're in there are basic things that we should all roughly be able to do but um, i think that there's some things that we assume that you know everyone and all um, that that that's not necessarily accurate depictions of what what should be able to happen
0: yeah do you have a, like an example of things everyone should be able to do
1: um yeah Everyone should be able to squat flat to the ground with their feet squat to the ground. Let's say ass to grass with the feet flat Mm -hmm. on the ground. And they should be able to do it fairly unencumbered. They should be able to do it without feeling like once they're down there that they can't kind of like you know, turn their head and their neck and move their body around a little bit and breathe in that position without doing it without too much compensation. I mean, that's kind of like that's one thing. Two is crawl. I believe very strongly that everybody should be able to crawl on their hands and knees or their hands and toes. Now, if, I'm not talking about people who have like, you know, degenerative arthritis in their knees and can't get down, that's not, but I'm talking about, a human system. Because what those two things represent to me are, one, a body that has the capacity for structures to be in as balanced a position as possible to allow you to get down to that deep position. You can expand and compress in that position, i.e. inhale and exhale and your, your, your joints and bones and soft tissue structures can allow all of that to happen in that position. That's how we're supposed to poop, that's how we're supposed to, give, to be at birth to babies, that's how we're supposed to body should be able to relax at times, not all the time. And crawling is representative of a body that can alternate, a body that has reciprocal, alternating, internal rotation, external rotation, flexion, extension, uh, respiratory, whatever we want to call it, variability, capacity, and being able to do that without compensation and substitution. I think, you know, as well as I do, you work with clients and crawling is a challenge. Oh, yeah. They can't I even mean, coordinate rights and left. <laughs> even for me.
0: So I, you know, in my, the past six, seven months, I've been using like the Komodo crawls as like a warm up. And I mean, I give that to a lot of clients now and they're like, what in the world is this? Like they can't coordinate, you know, one elbow moving forward with the opposing toe Right. And, you know, I'll put that down in the show notes for anyone who doesn't know what a Komodo crawl is, but it's, you know, and even when I started it, I was like, man, this is weird. Like I, you know, it's a ton of like scapular muscles that I wasn't used to a ton of obliques working and it's a fantastic warm up. but to be able to synchronize it is, you know, if you're not used to it, it's tough, not, It's not something we do on a daily basis.
1: <laughs> you're right. You're right. So, so think about this for a second. So with gait, mm-hmm. all right. So if I were to swing one leg forward and the opposite arm So let's just say I'm standing on my right leg, I swing my left leg forward and my right arm forward, okay? That is one direction they're both going. You with me? Nothing's really going back. I don't have movement going back much on that left and right side prior to that happening. Everything's going forward. Does that make sense? Yes. Komodo crawling is a good example of what crawling is or what animals do in all fours. They have to lift to move a limb. You with me? Right. So you're creating this IRER rotational element of the entire quarter of the upper thorax on each side and the pelvis on each side,
2: mm-hmm.
1: rotating around an axis under load in order to be able to create movement. Picture a blob rolling across the ground. It's kind of like got to roll over itself in order to be able to happen, in order to have that happen. Am I making sense so far? Totally. Well, let's bring it back to gait and what I talked about earlier when I said we are biased upright and forward. Mm -hmm. So now everything can go forward easy. And that's why people's gait's so wacky. And that's why they don't swing their arms. They swing one and not the other. Or they're looking down at the ground because they're trying to figure out ways to not fall over because they've lost so much of that capacity of things to be able to, and I'm going to say go back when they walk, but there's this element of the gut movement that shouldn't be pulling them forward the whole time. That center of mass should be back enough that when that left leg and right arm go forward, it's kind of sort of being back while they're creating that action to offset what's supposed to happen right kind of like what you're doing when you're crawling is you're bringing your guts up and back up and back you're bringing your structure up and back in a really uh loaded exaggerated type of way mm-hmm. that makes sense without my demonstration it did you- no
0: it definitely made sense and i it, no thank you for the explanation it, it's just making my mind go i, I watched there's a comedy show called louie i don't know if you're familiar with it um but there's a a clip of it, and they talk about basically this guy goes in and he's like, Doctor, my back hurts. The doctor's like, Oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> he's like, Well, what can you do for it? And he's like, Well, you know, evolution probably in the next like 200,000 years will probably fix it at some point. And he's like, basically saying that he's like, We were given a clothesline referring to our the vertebrae in the spine. And he's like, But we're using it as a flagpole. And so you talking about this and like gate and everything, it just makes me wonder if all of the compensations we see on a daily basis and, you know, yeah, there's sitting, there's sitting issues, we're more sedentary, all of that happening. We're more uh, focused on devices and don't look at our periphery. But if maybe this is just like growing pains of an evolutionary process of trying to figure out how the heck to stay upright against gravity on two feet with this unstable quote-unquote structure of the spine you know we've only been we're the first mammals to do this as we know of yeah, to walk yeah. like this so it's like well, what's another 200,000 years look like or are we stopping the process <laughs> with becoming more sedentary and just completely I don't know I'm I'm just kind of riffing at this point <laughs> no,
1: no, no 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 that's okay it, it's all good that's kind of there's a lot of I have a lot of curiosity along those lines as well, too. Mm-hmm. And from a standpoint of where I feel like things are most helpful for me from a practicality perspective is, you know, the more that I'm able to process what I feel like the body should be able to do at this stage based upon where we're at. Right. And be able to adjust accordingly for the people that come in that have their various, their life story. Okay. The mm-hmm. life story of, um, I mean, I tell people like, I want to know about birth trauma. You know, ACEs are a big deal. You know, um, adverse child experiences are really big deals. Yeah. And will 100% drive people's behavior and positions and the way that they do stuff later in life, whether they remember them or not, whether they feel that they do or not. It's, it's well referenced, you know, real well research. But that being mm-hmm. said, how can it not, Right. Put a system on stress and on edge right from the get-go and the system's gonna be on stress and on edge moving forward. And I get the fact that we're physics-based and it's fluid-based, I get all that stuff, but there's an an element of processing that, to your point, will create a threat response that you're just kind of in all the time. And so these lists that I was referring to are what I try to peel away, bit by bit. Mm -hmm. And so part of what we do, you and I, and, and I'm assuming people who listen, is trying to create that opportunity to in my mind do more than just get someone to train better or lift more or just you know just losing weight but you know how can i impact them to educate them so they can go out and not only feel better and do stuff better but also uh, affect those around them as well kind of like that guy that i talked about yesterday right already changing his behavior just based upon feeling different around how he reacts to things Mm -hmm. and so where we're going to be in the future um one obviously you know who knows but i i will just say that i have some concerns (laughs) with the direction we're going because of what we've done with the best of intentions Mm -hmm. more stories that i hear about with people that are forward-thinking uh, movement-based, you know, putting out information and managing, uh, managing people in, in, in weird, diverse, unusual ways than our current medical model looks at stuff, the way that medicine and traditional hierarchical linear-minded individuals are that seem to have louder voices for whatever reason are looked at, I have some concerns. And so I read the people that nobody knows about, because they're the ones back, you know, whatever, years and years, decades, hundreds of years ago, were doing stuff that were forward thinking and, and not doing things quite as, you know, whatever, standard operating procedure, if you would.
2: Yeah,
0: no, totally. I mean, well, pressure management. I mean, that's something I think it's finally, it's coming back around full circle. And I'm, I love to see it. And it's definitely in my opinion, a way better way to look at the body. It's a completely three-dimensional, you know, I, I wonder if I were to like take, what's the test that like dentists have to take where they have to be able to like think in three dimensions. I'm like, I think I could ace that test now. Like now that I think about the body in this way, but uh, no, it's it, it's coming full circle to some degree. And it, with social media, we're able to push some of these concepts out there better versus them just getting, you know, oh, that was a book and only sold a couple hundred thousand copies, if that, and it's lost forever, you know, like it's.
1: Yeah. Those, those, those are some of the ones that I I like finding. And, and, um, you know, I I do feel like over the course of time, things will turn because just in the last 20 some odd years of, you know, I think people who know me know that, I mean, I've, I've taken a lot of arrows in my professional career, like Mm -hmm. a lot of arrows in my professional career um, being the outlier. And so I feel that seeing that happen so many years ago, but not wanting to kind of give up and, and realizing that it's been quite successful for me. And I feel happier with the influence I've had on so many people, uh, than I ever would have being stuck back where I was. But where I'm going with this is seeing the change. Finally, it's starting to kind of come around a little bit. Yeah. starting to read stuff and talk about it more and discuss it more. And the more that people, I don't care who gets the message out. I don't care. I don't care about followers. I don't, that stuff doesn't influence me at all. The reason I lecture so much with other organizations and, and and, and people who work with the pro athletes is because the more that I feel like I get people that influence a lot of others, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's just even that much more productive than, than I can accomplish just with one client, which is, um, life changing for some of them. But right. I feel like however we get that message out and I see the tide turning a little bit, I'm hopeful that that's going to help. The yeah. biggest challenge is going to be getting it into the educational process. Right. So that it happens in a, uh, on a more grassroots level so that people I, are out thinking that way. I
0: think the educa- educational process is probably just going to change on its own just with, you know, at least like my generation going through student loans all like the whole process of that uh, obviously there's accreditation that's necessary but the whole the entire process of it it's just not sustainable at this point so that said i i feel like there's just going to be a whole nother you know formation of how these you know I, like apprenticeships i personally think will start to come about more often and especially i could see that in a more medical setting really taking off i mean we already have some version of it um i don't know i like talking to pat actually was interesting because he was just saying it's basically like a a weed out process though you know having like going through undergrads like we just got to weed out who can be relatively reliable or not and like i do think that that is good but at the same time like at what cost you know, at what cost are we actually now just taking someone like, okay, you went through that whole process, but now you can't think for yourself. Like you can't be able to like have these like conceptual learning and like look at a process and just not be stuck in the mud in a way. So I don't know. I
1: I also think that that gets down to the individual. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you go into, I was at a restaurant Saturday night. And she was just not a good waitress. It was, not an, it was not an inexpensive restaurant. I was out with, I had some colleagues in for a training for the weekend and mm-hmm. took off the dinner afterwards. And I'm like, I mean, I, I felt bad for her, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was, clearly, it was clearly someone who maybe just had a bad day. But that being said, there are just people that are better at their, at being invested in what they do than others. Right. And so to Pat's point, you know, he's, he's always obviously filled with great points. Uh, yeah. to, Point. I mean, you got to kind of establish a baseline. I feel like in some ways, mm-hmm. you know, I lecture at University of New England, I'm on, I'm on adjunct faculty there. And, and you know, the message that I give this group of people, is, I said, you know, i got to be honest with you. What I'm going to spend these next two days talking about is going to be um, not what you're used to hearing. It's not going to be reinforced in any of your other studies. They're, they're master's level students. It's not going to be testing on it. But I want to expose this to you so that when you're done here. You recognize that there's other things out there because I don't do most of what you're learning right now. And they're like, what? <laughs> I said, there's nothing wrong with it. And the anatomy matters and the exercise fizz matter, all that stuff matters for to our point, getting that baseline set up. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of what I'm doing now, and this is how I'm looking at things. And so, you know, I credit the university with being able to expose them to that. And, and that's what I mean, It's like saying these people, 30% of them in my mind gonna be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I can't wait to kind of graduate and get on my own and start learning more about this. And they will and they'll dive in. 30% will be like, that, that's kind of really cool. I didn't I hadn't thought about things that way. It's different than I'm used to thinking about it. And hopefully over time, once they kind of get themselves set in their career and they kind of establish you know comfort with where what they've learned already in school, they'll look into it a little bit more. And 30% probably won't care. And that's you know what I mean? They're gonna do what they learned in school and they'll go out and they'll do their job and it's fine. Otherwise they wouldn't still be ha- teaching that stuff in school and testing on it for boards. Right. They may not ever really choose to advance past that point. My numbers are rough, but you get the idea. Yeah. They're just going to be those people and those professionals that are going to be complacent with what they're doing. And that's fine. I don't think it's fortunate for the people that they're treating, but I, you know, it, it just, it is what it is. Yeah, it's out of the individual as well too and their drive to 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 recognize in our industries in particular that we are at many ways service to the people that are paying us to try and help them and so it feel them it's doing a disservice to them to not feel like you're doing the best you can and learn as much as you possibly can even if you learn something and you're like I did look into that a little bit, and I took a couple courses, and it doesn't work for me. It doesn't fit into my understanding. It doesn't fit with what I'm doing. It doesn't make sense. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's the putting up the barriers that I think that too many people do, just based upon what they, uh, uh, with, with, what they feel is right or wrong versus what they've been exposed to.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely get that, and it, I just I think we could do better with the baseline. I guess that's the a thousand percent. Uh, yeah. Oh
1: totally, totally. I don't and, know how to do that. You know what I mean? Like that is, that is such a beast of a job because it, you know, right. it, you know, part of it it comes, it comes down to money, you know, as well as I do. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. It money. And I think what we, in just general mindset and what we, I, I, like, I'll say, for example, when I went through university, I went through my four years. It was great. You know, I did kinesiology, but when I got out, I really, like I was a Decent trainer. I was personable, all of that, but I still got most of my information probably from Instagram, I would say, versus my actual undergrad. Um, but it wasn't until I went to my PTA program where the first month they made me study anatomy and the attachment points and all the actions and everything that I was like, okay, now that I have this baseline understanding of just basic anatomy, it sort of just opened up all these other doors and avenues. And I was like, okay, I can actually understand. know like what michael's saying right now like that i actually understand what that muscle does and how it can react and then now i can start looking at it in a three-dimensional form of how it may compress a bone or compress a rib cage or this area like that made sense to me but if i didn't have that baseline i'd be in the water you know like i wouldn't be able to understand any of it Uh, and so
1: no that's great that's you know um I look at it, I've been in the industry for over 30 years, I look at anatomy all the time, like all the time. Right. I look physiology and I look at um, the, the, the tensegrity element, the, the, the connective tissue element, the inner workings. Of, I mean, I'm learning all that stuff all the time. It's never stopped. So to, that's an incredibly powerful statement. And anybody listening, if you don't spend time looking at anatomy and nuances and subtleties, to have a better understanding of some of those things and encourage people to do it regularly with whatever article or whatever, you know, pull, pull out your complete anatomy or a book when you work with your clients and show them because you probably say something, oh, holy cow, that's interesting. I wonder what that thing does, you know? And then you kind of make a little note and you go check it out later when you're done. you're done your day because that is to your point, very, very important. But going back to what you mentioned previously, like things could change, it could change because that's suggesting those things are doing things a certain way Right. In a vacuum. Exactly. exactly how it works. (laughs) Yeah. You don't move it an inch one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Assuming that you recognize that, let's just use the bicep, it's an easy example, is bending the elbow versus like, it's actually turning the elbow upward. And by the way, it's also pulling from the attachment at at the top at the same time. You know what I mean? End, 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 end. Yeah, so it a really nice uh, uh, verbalization of saying you supplemented your education with Instagram, you were able to kind of take those things and kind of start to kind of put them together It's kind of what I gather from what you were saying,
0: 100% you
1: mentioned, like how it compresses a bone and turns this and does that. That's great. But the way that it's taught, as you know, is very uh, linear, mm-hmm. pulleys and levers, and a methodical teaching element. Versus recognizing like, oh, actually when I go to lift that arm, it's stuff on the other side that do things first. It's actually coming from inside versus actually what I think is actually doing the lifting.
0: Right. Exactly. And I guess when I say like the baseline could be better, you know, it. I don't know. I I'm glad I'm not the one to have to make that, those decisions and make it better, but it's just potentially like instilling like a, um, a thought process behind it like versus like memorization all the time like yeah there's times to memorize but then application i think yeah. application of these basic things could be suited better especially in like a kinesiology setting i remember going like through basic anatomy and it was like okay i can see that and you know i would study and i would like flex my elbow and put my arm above my head and think about the joint actions and all that stuff it was like why wasn't that in the lecture hall you know like why didn't they just like have some visual component of this aspect like that could help with the baseline of something so I mean it's definitely individual base and a and, problem and, that I'm glad I'm not, I don't have to solve
2: <laughs> to be honest but yeah, and,
1: that, and that goes back to a little bit of what we talked about before where it comes down to what I, it's what I call the human element it's a human element that influences so much mm-hmm. you can probably remember there were certain instructors and professors that were like man like they just, yeah. they impacted you. Like they right. got it. You could tell that they not only were uh, uh, stewards of whatever they were teaching, but they wanted, they had ways to try and engage the students and- uh, Critical thinking. Yeah, and, and, and new ways to engage you, to be able to have you really appreciate and understand things because they were invested. Their human element piece did it versus hmm. those other instructors, you don't even remember their names. And because it was just a very different approach, I'm not bashing anybody. It's just a reality, yeah, so similarly, you know when when you're invested in your work and you take the time to do the best that you can, I just feel like that just gives i, I know it does <laughs> such better self satisfaction and a sense of of quality of life and uh, and, and overall happiness in what you do and you kind of go into work excited, and you go, you, you leave work excited because you had impact. You've, you've impacted people positively. You get those emails, or you get those little messages from people you've worked with that are just kind of like, "Man, holy cow! That just really was so so great. I just feel so much better. I learned so much." Or, and, that, and that's just, you know, going on a philosophical level. But that you you can't really uh, get outside your own head to get better. If you're in a stressful situation, and in particular, if you're in a stressful situation and not motivated to try and change it, to allow yourself to get better, what can right. I do to use a scenario that I can do to try and help to, to, to impact people as best as I possibly can? That's the tricky part. New right. Finding new jobs, going in new careers. I mean, speak for yourself. You're a good yeah. example of that, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. You,
1: you look different place for a job and then you kind of did your own thing. You're like, it's actually working really, really well. So.
0: Being able to have that flexibility. Well, and so this, I think this is kind of like the last point I'd like to, are you doing okay on time?
1: Yeah. Thanks. Okay.
0: So we going back, I think this kind of connects a little bit to what you were talking about with like behavior and physical structure and how our positioning can dictate that as well as like actions and so i i've been thinking a lot especially with you know a lot of politics are going on how people are relating to all this information that's constantly berating them right and it makes me wonder especially from like an evol- evolutionary standpoint like are we becoming so like because this information's right in front of our face right here all the time like are we seeing a like generational shift in behavior as much as like are we do we act different in comparison and have different emotions and different triggers than say a human being 150 years ago 200 years ago and are we as like a society seeing is this making sense <laughs> like, yeah. like Is me staring at my phone for eight hours a day making me more anxious? And because of that, I now make different decisions than I normally would.
1: (laughs) I will say, in my mind, unequivocally, yes. Without a doubt. Right. Everything's along a gradient. Mm -hmm. Some people, significant. Other people, not as much. I am... Um, shocked when people don't feel like the amount of time they spend on social media or on their phones or stuck on a computer, even just from work perspective, don't feel like it impacts them or Mm -hmm. are in such denial that they feel like it doesn't impact them.
2: Right.
1: If you, I I don't have numbers, so, like, but it'd be easy to find numbers. The number of young people medicated now. Right. For Uh, mental psychological uh, uh, angst, discomfort, ADHD, diagnoses, depression, like it is rampant compared Mm -hmm. to to your point years ago. And do I feel that that is part of what I referred to before in terms of like skull changing? I truly do. I honestly do. I feel like these things are creating stress on our craniums and our skulls and our brains and our ability of our our behavior centers and our sensory centers to feel safe. Right. I mean, it's, it's so many kids are so sad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, have, I have a the, 25 or 20 year old and, and I, so I know the dialogue and I've grown up with that piece. Yeah. So there, there, there is that element and their uh, mindset towards the future of us and the planet mm. is not a healthy one. Right. And how can you grow up in an environment where all these messages are being thrown in your face and there's such uh, blatant um, angst and disagreement and things like that that's thrown in everybody's face that it can't influence a growing brain and child, let alone an adult brain. Mm-hmm. And so, it, go ahead.
0: It, it just makes me wonder if we're going to hit a point in which, okay, there's enough generations that pass and we have these Skull formations or like yeah. morphological changes that we then almost be become trapped in this like angst of yeah. some sort because like I know there was a study I read and it was talking about the introduction of cell phones and China I think I believe it was China it was a it was a Southeast Asian country but they were looking at eyeball shape and yeah. how like my myopia which is you know distance vision
1: yeah. um,
0: was terrible basically with the introduction. Yeah. My so
1: it's op-
0: Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Um, yeah. Either way, they were saying that the, the shape of the eyeball had changed Correct. in all of these kids with the introduction of cell phones and how the, the eye wasn't round anymore. It was like more cone shaped. Correct. And so I, and I know because I wear contacts and glasses, like I just got, you know, got some new contacts and that was one of the things like I had to wear gl- glasses for the past month. And it definitely affected my behavior, how I acted, emotional state. Like it was just, I felt different a lot of the time. So it's like, you know, I'm sure I have more of a tone-shaped eye to some degree.
1: It's huge, it's huge impact. I have yeah. come in here and I'm looking, true. I'm, 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 I'm Chatting with them, first session, second session, whatever, chatting with them. And I'm just looking at them. I'll, I'll speak specific to, to vision to your point. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing some table measures. I'm feeling a head and a neck. And I'm like, whoa, that, that's not okay. Yeah. I'm feeling a rib cage. I'm doing a, a couple of easy objective measures. Sometimes it's like a, two minutes. And I go and I turn the lights off. And that whole thing changes. And I'm not kidding mm-hmm. you. Like everything changes. The neck is different. Rib cage is different. Their breathing is different. They notice a change. That's one of many examples of to your point, the the changes that's happening with the way that our brains and our bodies are taking our sensory input in and putting it on edge. And so too much eyeball shape change, too much constriction, too much focal Mm -hmm. is going to jack a system up. It's gonna, 100%, there's no space. Right. So if I go into environments that are really bright as a result of that, or the sensitivities to fluorescent lights in particular, even just the sounds making things close up that much more, your brain is in angst. Mm -hmm. And if you're mouth breathing, so you're not getting proper expansion, you won't be able to feel like you have safety anywhere because your system has now lost all its sense of control, grounding, uh, the ability to allow things to open properly, to create that change of space. Again, to allow, as I said before, look out a window when you walk down the hallway, when you go for, take your little breaks every now and then to to get to space, to get outside. You know, stop walking on the treadmill, we don't have to walk on a treadmill, go outside. Mm -hmm. You know, go for a power walk instead of getting on the elliptical, because all those things, I'm not saying are bad from a standpoint of of, uh, exercise, But your body's not perceiving what it needs. Yeah. It needs to feel impact. It needs to feel the earth moving underneath you. It needs to to have things passing by us for us to feel like we perceive what's going on in our life, for us to sense stuff. It needs to
0: be in the moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I read the other day an article. I mean, I talked about nasal breathing. You know, you're not as smart when you breathe out of your mouth as you do through your nose, period. Mm. Like the research like is it like it's like that's so crazy low hanging fruit. I'll send you the article. There's so much yeah. low hanging fruit that that can be addressed that's just not being addressed at the grassroots level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I feel, I, you know, which I love these deep conversations that that help. One last thing related to that. I hope I'm not taking your time. Is oh. even just even just these things are hands with what we do with people. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like handshake is you know what? Oh, I get a nice firm handshake. You know what it's like to have a handshake with somebody. You just shake their hand. and go, Oh man, that's a nice handshake. It's like they enveloped you, right? Like they right. just they they met your resistance. You felt it you know, like you just kind of you, you you captured stuff. You're working with a client, and you're kind of resting their hand on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Those manual-based therapy, the way that you touch things, like there's a there's 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 an, there's an element of what we lose when we're not in touch with people, which is where I think. Another reason we're the mess we are is because we've lost that touch with people. That happened as a result of us being locked in places for you know too long than we we're supposed to be. That is influencing the way that we are. You know, we're not we're not giving someone a hug when we see them anymore. We're not you know appreciating a handshake anymore. We're not uh, you know you know putting resting our hand on someone's shoulder when whatever when we're out kind of out hanging out with them. We're just that that lack of of communication that happens with the power of of touch uh, mm-hmm. that literally is, creates connections above and beyond kind of like what we're thinking about from a connections perspective, I think is another really big deal.
2: Yeah.
1: So everybody go home and hug your spouse, your partner, your kids, your friends. Your... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. It's a big deal. Yeah, big deal.
0: definitely. Well, and again, I, I was talking to someone and they were saying how, you know, to create like a device or computer or to create like a, a cell phone and the the interface with it. like they studied how our brains react to you know different interfaces and all this stuff like it's literally made to be addictive and that stuff i feel like they just it's been sapping our energy our focus just all of these different things and it's just absorbing us into these devices and it's it's really those that have the discipline or at least have the what's the word i'm looking for they're able to take some time off and just sense and feel what it's like to not be absorbed into a device for a certain amount of time that are probably going to be feeling better and make more rational decisions in the coming future
1: correct so um i I joke with people i'm like i'm a post and go guy yeah something doesn't pop up the very first thing that i see if i go to put something on there i typically don't see things Mm. on purpose and it sounds kind of like wait a minute you're telling people to get off social media because it's bad for them, but yet you're teaching people on social media. It's so like I right. feel kind of like a hypocrite at times, but I'll also speak of like a proud dad who has a 25-year-old son and a 20-year-old daughter mm. who neither of them have social media. And wow. on their own choice, we've talked about it a lot over the years at dinner conversations, mm-hmm. we never them what to do, but that's their decision. And they both are like, oh, I am so much better off. <laughs> yeah. So much better off. But my daughter in particular, because she's going to be a senior in college, says- you know there is a social stigma that happens with that a little bit mm-hmm. so what's your you know what's what's your instagram name what's your twitter name stuff like that oh i don't, I don't have social media what do you mean you're on social media it's like suddenly some people they actually they change. changed they're like what's up with them like you yeah okay? like they're, what's
0: wrong with this person? Like, <laughs> I'm this person yeah
1: you know like well it's reflective of me in my mind of uh, maybe they're probably not going to be the best person to hang around anyway <laughs> yeah
0: well, it's the same thing with like people who, so I would go, you know, a, a little while, like right now, um, I'll try to like abstain from like caffeine and alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. And you know, you tell people, it's like, I don't want to drink. And they look at you and they're like, what, like, why you must have a problem with alcohol. That's the issue. And it's like, no, I just don't want, I'm just taking some time off. Like I just, I want to feel good. <laughs> and so it's these ideas of like social norms. And if you're not within the norm, you're an outlier. Right and
1: you are. I, I. It's it's been a while since I've had alcohol as well too. And and I I, I continue to work on refining my message to people. By the way, I right. just said that in public. I haven't said that in public. Refining my message to people so that it doesn't create what you just described.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's tough.
1: Really, it, it's tough because some people will be like, I "Wouldn't think they're better than me." Like they get it. Yeah. You know, just so my you know to your point. What What's the message that people want to kind of take that's going to at least be able to create dialogue and not a discomfort for anybody? Mm-hmm. I know people who are, you know, they're alcoholics and they're they're sober. And so if you're out with someone and they're a sober person, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to drink in front of them. It's kind of weird. And I don't know what to talk about or not talk about. I mean, I really want right. to talk about this great cocktail that I'm having, but I can't with them because they won't get it. Mm-hmm. When they're probably saying a lot of times, they're kind of like, dude, I'm fine. Talk to me about it. It's no big deal. I just... <laughs> If it was a big deal, I wouldn't be in this environment. I wouldn't be here, you know? Exactly. Like, but if we create that message that, be, in an effort to try and help to diffuse the situation. No, it's it's a really good point. It's a really good point.
0: Well, even look at it, um, you know, if it, it just makes me think, you know, you watch a movie and it's someone who doesn't drink in that situation. And they're looked at as like, you know, probably some like super fit person. That's like, oh, I don't drink. I haven't drank alcohol a drop in five years. Look at my abs or something like that. Like they almost make fun of that person. Because yeah. they're an outlier to some degree. And so it's, I don't know how to necessarily, I mean, my go-to has just been like, well, I'm just taking some time off. Like, you know, if I, I, I have a bunch of bachelor parties I just went to, I don't want to do, I need some time or something. And I tell people that and they're like, oh, I get that, that makes sense. Yeah,
1: like I like to drink with the best of them. Let me tell you right now, but I just need my, my brain and my body need to rest. It's exactly, exactly right, exactly right. Yeah. But just to be clear, I
0: love my coffee. See, that's one I've been, especially I've been doing a bulk right now. And when I drink coffee, I cannot get the calories down just Um, because going, 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 like, I I love my coffee. My fiance got me hooked on it. So like, don't give me, we have an espresso, we have all of that, but I've had to take time off, but it's a difference between me eating, you know, the calories I need. And like, I don't eat at all if I drink coffee. So I I don't know. I'm good. good. I'm a baby when I drink coffee, so, but I think that's a good a uh, good place to kind of leave off there. So, Michael, hey, thank you so much for your time. Um, if you don't mind, hit us with your 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 social media. You know, any products, anything that you have. Where can people find you?
1: Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm most active on Instagram, which is mm-hmm. MJMATC. Um, and I have to mention people who do you know have study posture restoration MJMATC, PTA, PRC. It just kind of really PRI specific.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: on my website, just to your point, I have I have some webinars on my website. So I have a bunch of videos and articles and stuff like that that I have on there, but I have a video, one in particular is called uh, Managing and Optimizing Pressure Intention. So it kind of goes a deeper into some of the stuff that we talked about, but on a, I think it's a helpful scale for people to look at things differently on the internal mechanisms that we talked about. So that's some kind of like my resources part. So I got podcasts and webinars on there if people are interested um and then i'm easy to find you can just shoot me an email at any point so
2: cool yeah
0: i'll put that all in the show notes so <laughs> thank you for coming on the show and we'll see you all in the
1: next one
2: yeah, here, Take care.